MSW Media. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Dunn, and this is part two of our summer wine. Extravaganza. Extravaganza. That was horrible. I thought it was good. (laughs) That, of course, is what we're drinking's resident wine guru. Is that a title you like, or you want to do it a better? Feels a little pretentious. How about wine wine woman? Wine lady. American wino. Oh, that's me. Oh, Oh. sorry. I already got that one. We'll come up with a title by the end of the show. But you are Claire. Kopi of Psalm TV, everybody. Come on, give it up for Clay. Yes. And we are coming to you from the private dining room in Hatchet Hall in Culver City, California. Hatchet Hall, one of the finest restaurants in the nation, and they have the Michelin star Dang. to prove it. They just got it. That's and what does that mean? Like, you tell people what it means to get a Michelin star as a it's- restaurant. I mean, that's the highest honor you can get as a, as a restaurant. You have to work really hard to get that, so it's a level of excellence. One is incredibly hard to get. There are a few restaurants that have two, even three, which is just madness. And that's a lot of pressure, because once you get that, you got to keep it. Because you, you don't get it forever. They reassess you. And if you're, you lose the star, that's bad. you may as well, yeah. So, no pressure, Hatchet Hall. But we're going to do wine today. we got five of them, Claire. And, and I'm going to let you... As our resident wine title to be determined, you are going to pick the first of these five wines. What should we start with? I'm going to pick the Justin, because that's my boyfriend's name. The Ja. <laughs> I know, oh, gross. All right, gross. Justin is, uh, that's, that is kind of gross. No, uh, it's from the Central <laughs> Coast. It's in Paso Robos, right? Uh, yes. That's where, that true. and by the way, everybody, so you know, plug a future show. I'm going to be going to the Firestone Walker uh, Beer Festival up there, Invitational. Apparently, it's Very the most cool. exclusive beer fest in America. Oh. And we'll be doing an episode from up there, and that's in Paso Robos. Tell us about that region a little bit. Oh, it's beautiful. It's a very warm region, gorgeous region. They're doing a lot of, um, I mean, there's a lot of experimenting going there as far as wine, um, but they're using a lot of Rhone varietals. Those do pretty well in that in that region because it is warmer, like the Southern Rhone. Okay. Um, so a lot of Grenache, Syrahs. There's some Zinfandels there as well. A friend of mine actually does a really cool, she does single vineyard Chenin Blancs. From Paso and all over kind of the central coast, but she does, yeah, they're really nice. And these weren't varietals that were common to this area no, even no, 10 no, years no. ago, right? No, 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 no. Most, uh, most wine regions uh, before Prohibition in California were planted, um, well, originally to the Mission grape because it was the missions that were planted out, uh, that, were, uh, that were out here. So they were, um, it's this grape that's not particularly great, but yeah, a lot of those old vines were the Mission grape. And then there were a lot of Italian varietals in California, and then you had 
a little bit of phylloxera, which is a root louse that wiped out some vineyards, um, prohibition, which was hilarious. And then, uh, and remember then that time replanted. when America thought it was good that nobody could, adults weren't allowed to drink for 13 years? Such a great idea. And yeah. they didn't. No one touched a drop that whole no. time. How about a fresca? Oh. Ah. So you've got uh, the, the, the varietals have changed that we're growing here. And Paso, you'd say, is they one of the leaders the in the Rhone varietals. But you also have this lovely Sauvignon Blanc, which does like the warmth, it likes sunny sunny, bright uh, climates. It doesn't like excessive heat. So there is a nice uh, dichotomy to the weather in Paso. You do get the nice, bright, sunny, hot days, but it does cool off at night like any good wine region does. On the last episode, we did some Chardonnay. And now we we get to just talk broad strokes, Mm -hmm. the differences between Chardonnay and Sauvignon Blanc. Sure. Um, Well, Sauvignon Blanc is part of a family that has a compound called pyrazines. So these are, this is a characteristic that will exhibit itself in the wine. You're going to have lots of notes of um, bell peppers or jalapenos. So Sauvignon Blanc is one. Uh, it's the parent grape of another grape that we're going to drink, Cabernet Sauvignon. Pretty popular. Maybe you've heard of it. I think I have. You may yeah. have. I mean, it's kind of yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's going. Okay. <laughs> so often you're going to get notes of bell pepper and Cabernet Sauvignon. And then its other parent with Sauvignon Blanc is Cabernet Franc. So that's another one that you get. It Also Merlot has a little bit of it as well. Cup. Cab yeah. Franc, I saw a lot on the East Coast. When you go to sort of the Finger Lakes yes. and all that, and even down in Virginia, they, I don't know if it just grows better back there, but I'm seeing a lot of that yeah. on the East, which is really starting to come up. That yeah. you know, all of those regions it's out there. Cool. Uh, and you know, if you start, I would say probably from New York, Upper New York, down yeah. to Virginia. Yeah, anything above and below that, it gets a little bit trickier. But yeah. yeah. Just because of the weather. So, okay. So this, the Justin we have is the 2022. It's $18 Mm. a bottle. Fourteen forty if you're in a wine club. Apparently, if you're in the wine club, you can get it for fourteen forty. The wine Wine society. society. Uh, We're gonna go. All right, let's do this. Let's let's smell it. Okay. That's a nice. That's nicely in balance. It's not as um. This is floral. It's pretty. It is floral. That's a really good note. So Sauvignon Blanc, like any other grape, changes a lot depending on where it's grown. I think a lot of people are most familiar with Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. They've done a wonderful job of marketing that grape. It is originally a French grape, however. So you have Bordeaux Blanc. You have Sancerre, which is made with the Sauvignon Blanc grape. And in places like Sancerre and Bordeaux, where it's blended with other grapes, but you get a lot of the florality because the grapefruit and the green pepper and that like bombastic flamboyant character that you get in a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc is a little toned down. Yeah. It's a little more elegant and subdued. Okay, you know what? But it's definitely I floral. know this isn't in line, with, but what I got immediately when I noticed it was a little bit of, you know, the jasmine. The, the, is that, Absolutely. That, mm. that got me right away when I was smelling this thing. So Lily of the Valley. Okay. This, I'm gonna, we're tasting this. I'm going, mm. this is sort of a lighter, I think, medium to light wine, right? I would agree. I would, yeah, I would say it's on the lighter side. Um, still has the citrus, the grapefruit that Sauvignon Blanc can be famous for. Um, more subtle notes of the green bell pepper, which I, I like. You don't want anything to be too out of whack or out of balance. And then uh, stone fruit peaches. Yeah, getting that really for nice. sure. You know, Sauvignon Blanc also has a note of cat piss. <laughs> there's a term for that. What's the? There's a word for that, isn't People it? People say tomcat or what is it? Um, yeah, not elderberry. Is it el- gooseberry? They'll say I don't know. I wrote I wrote a piece years and years ago when I used to write for Playboy, but called "How to Kill It at Wine Tastings," and I I came up with all these descriptors that were just and, and some of them were ones that I actually heard. I remember being at a wine tasting. And the guy said, "There's a lot." He's getting wet yak wool. That was probably a Chenin Blanc. And I felt like going, "When the fuck did you ever been around a wet yak?" 
haven't? <laughs> I don't. I, don't I haven't personally spent a lot. Of, but you'll get when they'll say cigar box, and you hear. And I get those. I get it. But yeah. I've been at tastings where it's like they're trying to outdo themselves. Oh, for what, sure. What bizarre thing they can equate this Absolutely. this scent to? Um, okay, one of the things it says here, one of the key features of wine is whole cluster pressed mm-hmm. and fermented at cool temperatures mm-hmm. in stainless steel mm-hmm. tanks. No mallow lactic. We talked about mallow lactic we before. Did. So talk us through malolactic versus no malolactic. Why mm-hmm. would you do it and why wouldn't you do it? That all depends on the winemaker's choice of what they want that finished wine to taste like. If you're doing it, it's again releasing this compound called diacetyl that softens the harsher acidic notes potentially and releases um, that creaminess, the texture, and butter notes. So that's a decision that the winemaker is going to make. Do I want this to go through partial malolactic fermentation? Because they can halt it as soon as they're, they've achieved that finished wine that they want. Or do you want to go full malolactic? So it really depends what they want to do. This has seen none, so it's very pure. Okay. And it, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it, it seems like in recent years, I've seen a lot of winemakers getting away from malolactic. Is that I think seem so. to be the trend? Or they're doing partial. Again, like, like anything, any wine you want it to be in good balance. A lot of times when you go full malolactic, it can get a little heavy and clumsy and cumbersome. Just like if you're using 100% new oak and you're not even really integrating it very well, it's, it's, it throws the whole wine out of whack. And it, and it suggests that you're hiding something. Like, are the grapes not good quality? Is that why you're using all this oak? And by the way, oak is very expensive. So that's a really expensive overseason steak. You know, yes. but it's a shitty steak, basically, but they're hiding it. Um, so I, I like an oak to seasoning a lot. Well, even things like filtering. You know, you're seeing wines yeah. that are doing the unfiltered wines. And, oh, absolutely. And that's, is that mainly a cosmetic thing when they're, when they're filtering to get rid of it so it doesn't look cloudy? You, yeah, usually. But again, it's also a texture thing. Because if you don't filter it and you have those little particles, the, particu- the particulates, it's going to give it a little more texture, a little more creaminess, which okay. is why typically like pet gnats and the super unfiltered ones that have chunks, you know, floating around in it, they have that richer Got it. Got texture. It. Yeah, I don't know. You haven't eaten here. We've talked about this, but we're going to eat here. But the fish mm. at Hatchet Hall, they do some fish. fish. I've had the salmon here. I've had some other like. And I got to tell you, I think this wine with a fish. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Would be. Absolutely. Delicious. Yeah. This would be great with like one of those like seared ahi steaks that maybe has like a really nice bright salsa. Like the dish I made in the last season of oh, the last episode of Sparklers. The one that you won. The one that I won. Yes. There was a, there's lovely. a show on Som TV called Sparklers. <laughs> A competition show, and Claire won it. Somehow. And it got nominated for a Beard Award. We talked about this on the last show. Oh, yeah? We should talk about it some more, because yeah. you're, you're very talented. Um, let me ask you this, though. You mentioned that, the seared eye. What about white, mm-hmm. red, uh, meat? Can you drink a Sauvignon Blanc with, a, with red meat? Sure. Why not? You can do whatever you want. Um, honestly, some of my favorite wine pairings with, uh, with steaks and with uh, you know the, the red meats... Uh, champagne, a sparkling wine. If you have enough acidity to cut through that protein in the fat, you're golden. Do I think Sauvignon Blanc would be the best with a steak? Probably not, but it wouldn't be bad. Okay. Probably wouldn't blow your tits off, you know? I mentioned on the last show that I had dinner at the, um, uh, where did I go? Waldorf Astoria in Beverly Hills. Now, the wine that we had with that was the Schaefer uh, Cabernet uh, from Napa. That's a big... Was it a young Schaefer, too? uh, It was... I don't know, because they just poured it. They didn't even... My guess they, is it was probably, yeah, like a 2020, so it's a young... Yeah, young and that's, that's like a big that's Napa a cab. Big, you, know? boy. you need yeah. a big steak with that. Um, this is a damn good wine. Oh, yeah. Everybody loves the isosceles, their, their cab. Next up, 
We have. Where do you want to go next? Where do you want to go next? Do you want Do you want to do a rosé or do you want to do the other Sauvignon Blanc and compare? I think you just, I think you want to do the other. I do. I just like okay, to, I like to do, do that. Let's do it. I'm I gonna like go, to do it. Let's I think, dump. you know, let's, so now we have a 1111. Make a wish. Why is that? 1111, make a wish. Is that what you're supposed to do? That's it, yeah. Okay, eleven eleven is the is the name of the winery. Is the twenty twenty two Beckstoffer Sauvignon Blanc. This is from Rutherford area of Napa, Napa Valley, which is a very that's one of the best growing regions, certainly in in the. Do you in, know how I'm, much an acre of land in Napa costs without the vines? How much in like a in a premium area? Half a million dollars for one acre of land with no vines planted to it. Wow, and Rutherford would be top of the top of the heap. It'd be, here. It'd be up there for okay. sure. So this, again, um, I'm excited to try this. Mm. And now we're going to... Napa. All right, let me get this thing up here. Okay. All right. I feel like this is seeing a little... All right, I'm going to take a little nose on this. this. Getting a lot of... The grapefruit is, yeah. Again, still not as bombastic and flamboyant as some New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs. Some, not all. But... Um, oh, wow. I'm getting a lot of the... All right. Grapefruit pith. Right. Did you say piss? Piss. Oh, I was like grapefruit's not piss. What Cat happened? piss, grapefruit piss. <laughs> You're obsessed with piss on this episode. Um, pith, P-I-T-H. Pith, you filthy people. Pith. Um, okay, right off the bat, this one to me is a little bit fuller bodied than the one we just had. Yes. Um, and a yes. Li- which I would say this, somebody who, when you were talking about those New Zealand mm-hmm. uh, so I know, this one to me feels more substantial than that. And I, and I mean that in terms of, this is a bigger wine. Yes. It's a, this is on, am I wrong on that? Like this no, is, no. this is on the more robust. This is a Napa Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc, yeah. Using, typically using some oak. And I believe they are using some oak on this. Not a, not a okay. ton of new oak or anything like that, but it's, um, it's softening the acidity. It's giving it a little more unctuousness. So 20% new. 20% new. There yeah. you go. And uh, we're at 13.7%. Oh, nice. Okay. Percent Alcohol? Yeah. Um, alcohol. So that's, do you think that's on the higher end for, for this? Uh, it's not, it's not aggressive, but it, it, it happens in Napa. No. Okay. I've seen higher. <laughs> for sure. So the Melrose Vineyard is where they did this. Um, you're going to get a lot of the minerality is going on here, but also, like you said, that oak, I don't want to say, um, it's not butter. What is it? Like, it's not, it's just softening the edges. It's, this is again, only 20% new oak. These people seem to know what they're doing with oak. It's pretty well integrated. It's not giving out huge notes of vanilla or clove or anything like that. Maybe a little clove. But um, it's it's softening the edges. Okay. Sauvignon Blanc can be very high acid, like screechingly so. And so they want to soften it up a little bit. What year was this? 2022? 2022. And She's so, young. But, She's young. So Beck is known more for their reds, right? Their okay. Cabernet. I sure. mean, that's, you know, that's where that goes. Um this is it. I think this is their first vineyard designate Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, cool! And uh, how exciting! Yeah, this is. I love that. That's yeah. Only three hundred fifty-eight cases of this. That's not much. So that's that's not much. How much? Very small. That go, which Very is small. probably explains why it's forty-two dollars a bottle. Yes. Um, so it's again the oak, the land, how much it costs to make these. When when wine gets up to that price point, you're paying for a lot of of you know hands touching that and a lot of you know. Now, one of the things that we haven't talked about, 
But I really like this bottle. Okay, it's, it's a, a cool green. Bottle. It's a green, but it almost looks like an absinthe bottle in a way. The color on this. Yeah. But I want to ask you, how important is that? If you were starting, your, I mean, obviously you don't want to have a, a shitty looking wine bottle. But not. I'm saying, like, do you think that how much does that inform people's decisions? They sometimes a you lot. look and go, "Ooh, that looks cool." Yep. And I'm, I do the same thing. I can think of like Charles Smith was one of the first ones to do that with like oh, Kung yeah. Fu Girl and yeah. all this, where you just you see those bottles and you go, "Oh man, cool. I want that." The Prisoner was one of those ones that did that. Where you look at the bottle and you go, "I just want it for the." You didn't like the look of that bottle, or cut, cut this out, cut this out, LJ, <laughs> cut this out, uh, cut, cut, cut this part out. So I'm I'm digging this this eleven eleven, and uh, it's a twenty twenty two. Now, do you want any age? Like, if you had this one, would you want to age? You could age this one, and Sauvignon Blanc can age when you, especially like when you start looking at specific Sancerres and Bordeaux Blancs, like woof. Yeah. Okay. Some of those, but how long? Quite pricey. Like decades I, in their case, sometimes. No. Oh, yeah. okay. So something like this. If, if I held this? this for seven, eight years, could it be I okay? Think so, yeah, for sure. See, I didn't know this, Claire, because mm-hmm. I, I had some whites the other day. I was going through my thing, and I'm like, oh man, this thing's five years old. It's got a lot of acidity, and because it has a slightly, it's only what was it, thirteen point seven percent alcohol. Thirteen seven, yeah. It's got a slightly elevated alcohol, so those are all things that are going to help your wine age when you have wines that are particularly high in structural characteristics, like acid tannin for red wines and alcohol that's going to help it age and the oak as well so if you drink a barolo when it's young it's going to be awful it's going to rip your face off that's with the nebbiolo grape and it's very high tannin very high acid you need the time to have it soften this is pretty high acid so when you say young we're mm-hmm. talking about the, go back to nebbiolo when would you go i'm not drinking this until it's at least what for a barolo yeah 10 10 yeah so this okay for just based barolo. on what you've tried here with this yeah. one uh it's a 22. Mm-hmm. I liked your seven to eight years call on that. Honestly. So you're saying like, I would maybe open, I would 20, let this lay down for five years and then see 2027, 20, yeah. 28. Yeah. This is when it's at its peak. Well, again, that's subjective. Some people like this style. That's more bright and bombastic. I don't know that they designed this wine particularly to like age for okay. a while. It's very enjoyable, right? What now, would happen it to could. it? What would happen to it in four or five years? The fruit will start to become less, tart ripe and a little bit more into the baked desiccated it's a little richer you're starting to get less fruit and more earth as well so you're probably going to start not oxidation mushroomy but like these pretty like mushroom uh like shiitake mushroom notes on this okay you, yeah you're going to get more of the earthier tertiary notes we call All them right. coming out and the fruit starts becoming more dried or or baked or desiccated yeah Wow, interesting! It's very I cool just, I just simply off. didn't know that. I always oh, yeah. thought, I always thought when you had these, you got to drink them within three years. White wines can age, and there are some white wines that need age. What's the most age you've ever had? I don't know. I'm going to assume it's, I'm going to assume it was a, a French wine, or maybe on a white wine. Actually, I think the oldest one I had was like a 1954 table wine. It was a 375, so a half bottle. Um, actually, it might have been pre-war. I can't remember. Um, it was German. And what year was it? I thought it was 54, but we might have had like a, actually, we might have had like a 47. So wait, and you had this how long ago? Three years. So like a 70-year-old wine? Yeah. Did it hold up? Or was it It was tired. It was tired. So there is a point where the fruit completely fades and dries out. You don't have it anymore. But you still appreciate the wine. It wasn't vinegar, but it was very earthy. And the color, as white wine ages, it picks up pigment. So it's like amber in the glass. As red wine ages, it loses pigment. That's what you have the, when the it gets, fallout. When it looks the, thinner looking. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Oh, all right. This it's is really fascinating. Cool. I, didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know this. Yeah. So, 
I probably shouldn't have. You're saying I shouldn't have dumped all these white wines that I just threw no, out. No, I mean, a house. lot of these are Damn not designed it. to age. Okay. You're good. All right. You're good. So now, uh, what are we going to do next? We just had the Justin. We had the 1111. Where do you want to go next? Rosés. Rosés. Okay. Uh, which one all do you want to do? Day. I think we should start with the Chamisol. Maline. Nope. The Maline. Okay. It's from yeah. Chamisol. From Chamisol, which we had on the yes. last one. Okay. And we we hope we're saying this right. Maline. M-A-L-E-N-E. This mm-hmm. is a 2022 rosé yes. from California and Ode to Provence. Oy. Now, when you hear uh, that, yes. Ode to Provence, what do you think? I think that, well, <laughs> bless you, my God. Hey, no sneezing in here, please. Katya, Katya is allergic to wine. No, How dare joking. you be a human being? <laughs> yeah. Like, that would solve a lot of my problems. Because I remember last time we went out, we were drinking wine. You got all cross-eyed and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, she must be allergic to this. Yes. <laughs> Clearly, it's doing something to her. To be fair, it is uh, slow poison. All right, so this one, thanks for pouring it, Claire, is a, it's a, uh, it's a, a cuvee, which is a blend, where uh, each of the components are all going to be blended. So, um this uh, the warm growing season. This is Central Coast mm-hmm. wine. Mm-hmm. Is about as Provencal mm. as it gets in California. Would you agree? Uh, well, I'd have to taste this wine. This is Grenache Cinsault, which you were Central talking about Coast, um, from yeah. the King City area of Monterey County, which is Steinbeck. You know, yeah, baby. Uh, when you get out, yeah, and then this is very. Um, yeah, I mean, the, I, I will. I will say when I was in. Um, uh, southern France. I was kind of on the other side, more in the Languedoc area, so that's more southwest. Provence is a little east of that, but that area did remind me of California quite a bit. It's very, um, it's very beautiful, and you have the mountains and the sea and and some you know higher um, elevation vineyards and fun experimentation as well. Those wine in France, you, you don't really. A lot of regions are like, no, we make Pinot Noir, and you have to do it like this. Or it is not, you're not able to label it as Burgundy, you know. Um, so it's very, like, tradition. And in southern France, there's a little more freedom. Um, but you have, like, yeah, it's, it, I can see that being more okay. the, the Provence of Now, California. 73% Grenache, 11 mm-hmm. Cinso, mm-hmm. 16 Vermentino. Very cool. So what does yeah. the Vermentino do to it? Vermentino, um, from my understanding, gives it a little bit of texture. This is a chewy wine. It's very raspberry. Right. I just tasted like biting into a ripe raspberry. Mm. Provence style, though, is typically lighter. It's a very popular style of rosé. That's pretty much everybody's go-to, and everybody wants to make the rosé in that style because it's very popular. Okay. Yeah. 12% alcohol on this. Um, Perfect. Very fruity. Uh, yeah. You get... Strawberry, raspberry, pint. What about watermelon? Absolutely watermelon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is like a, this is like a fruit bowl. Oh yeah, you have in there. But oh, I mean, yeah. but Fresh. but then you're all. It's got a little bit of a spine to it too, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the acidity coming in. Absolutely correct, mm. Dan. Let me ask you about the, the temperature. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you like to serve it? How do you when you're doing rosé? Mm-hmm. Do you think it should be? Because I know people that love it really cold. That's again all about preference. Personally, I don't want it really cold because then I'm just neutering my taste buds and I can't taste the wine so what's the point okay just to get drunk yeah okay well that's what I'm saying like you want to be so (laughs) if it gets too cold it's like it's like when anything you have if you got a a shitty cocktail and you just put enough ice in it you're not gonna be yeah you don't want that you want to be able to distinguish you know be able to distinguish between whatever hopefully the various components of that you're tasting especially if I'm spending some money on a bottle of wine I'd like to taste it I don't want to chill it down to holy hell same with red sometimes wines are served just a little too cold Red wines are usually served a little too warm, and white wines are usually served a little too cold. So what 
what's a good optimum temperature? Like 57 if you have a wine fridge for to do your reds? I think I have my reds at like 58 right now. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I have my whites and champagnes at a little cold, but like 43. Okay. Yeah. See, I think mine, I think I keep Somewhere my whites at about 50. And do then you? my And See. then my reds about 57. Yeah. Uh, this Malene is a $22 bottle of okay. rosé. That's kind of where you're looking these days for... Yeah. What's happening price-wise? Are you seeing wines are going up, down? Where are we at? I know they started to go up during COVID. Oh my gosh, what are yeah. you, Like that significantly. What's tough. happening now? Um, I think they're kind of staying in that area. They're still, everything's still pretty expensive after COVID. There was just a huge supply chain issue with so many different things. There was a glass shortage in the wine yeah. industry. My friend Megan Zobeck is the winemaker at Burgess and has her own label um, as well. That's fantastic. And she ran out of bottles. She was trying to bottle her sparkling and had nothing to put it in. She's like, I need to get this out of tank. Like everybody was having huge problems. Uh, No, prices are staying about the same. I mean, this post-COVID world, there's, it's gotten kind of crazy. Everything's more expensive. Everything is, yeah. But everything uh, is more expensive. You know, listen, a lot of cheap rosé out there, though. So, oh, by the way, the the I'm seeing here that the the Vermentino mm-hmm. was farmed by the Segatio family. And that's yes. a very, that's a big Italian. name in, in, in California yes. though, in, in, in wines out here. Right. Yes. And that, uh, it's an Italian grape Vermentino. from the Russian river Valley, yes, which is, Luma. which is also the, the shishi area for wine. All right. Let me ask you this. Ready? Here we go. It says <laughs> pressed under inert gas in mm. our specialized rosé press oh. with strict press cuts to manage color. What does that mean, Claire? Pressed under inert gas. Okay. 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 Well, that's the process of making rosé. I mean, you have a little bit of skin contact, right? So it's 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 kind of like using red. It's like using red grapes to make a white wine. Depends on how long the skin the skin contact with the juice. Um, I'm not saying this well. It's very dependent on the skin contact with the juice because the color and pigment in wine all comes from. The skins, From the skin, right? Yeah. Your your Pinot Grigio grape is dark skin. So if you do a skin contact Pinot Grigio, it's going to be a rosé. It's going to have this beautiful pink color. You could make a red wine out of Pinot Grigio if you wanted, but people don't. Um, and you can make a white wine out of Cabernet Sauvignon if you wanted. Just take it the juice directly off of the skins. So this is all just saying like they're being very specific about how long they're letting those skins come into contact okay. with the juice to to get this beautiful kind of salmon hued wine. Got it. Basically. Now they they also say it was drought conditions, very warm, Shocking. as we know. Yeah, the back. So uh, yeah. low yield for that, right? You're not going to get as much fruit. You don't want you don't want high yields. High yields tend to equal shitty bulk wine. It got really hot Labor Day weekend, which what, what year that was this? D- 2022. Oh yeah, that was a hell of a harvest. And guys. so what oh, happens then is suddenly they're all scrambling to get the shit off. Freaking the, out! Quit, you got to get it off, right? Because yep. what will happen if it, you let it go too far? Then those grapes ripen up way too much, and you've lost all of your beautiful acidity and structure, and way too much alcohol. And you're done. You're done. It's over. Well, it's a different wine. So they said, like, I remember so many winemaker friends were just like, it was the perfect growing season, and then we just got this heat spike. Have you been to? Freaking. Have you been up there when when during harvest? And you see them go, ah, oh yeah, we got to run. I feel so bad. We filmed up there multiple times during harvest and they're all, you know, taking their time to do these interviews and stuff, but they're like, I need to go. It really is. It's incredible. And anybody, yeah. if you've never been to a winery, if you've never, I, I, I can't recommend it enough, yeah. but to just see all of the, thi- all of the oh little things and all of the people involved. And if any one of those elements goes wrong, 
the wine's going to be completely different. It, it's really it's it's it's, it's like a symphony. It really is. Like Absolutely. if you have an orchestra and one the cellist loses a string or so, it, it's it all done. It like and that's it. It for all for I don't know that how much people think about like it's wine's twenty two bucks a bottle, right? So you go, you yeah. plunk down your twenty two bucks, but to think about what had to happen for this thing to get in bottle to be good. To, to taste yes, okay, to be a yeah, good wine. because you know that's the part. I mean, it's not one or two people doing this. There's it's a lot army. of things, and there's so many different things that could go wrong. It and it's be, brutal. They yeah. have to wake up before the crack of dawn to start harvesting because you want it to be cold when you're doing that. For the same reason, you don't want it to be, you know, the heat spikes because yeah. you're going to overripen everything. Um, so yeah, you want it to be nice and chill to preserve that acidity. So they're they're up so early. I remember helping out at Carhartt in uh, Santa Barbara and just for the morning and I was like this is so nice to watch the sunrise over the vineyards and they're like yeah do it <laughs> yeah so well, peaceful for it's you it's <laughs> something to keep in mind when you are drinking your wine is is what went into it I, I think about it a lot with spirits especially I've been fortunate to get to taste you know things that are 64 years old or awesome. Dragon McCallan that was and one nice. of the things that I think about when I'm drinking it is not only what I'm tasting but just something like that the fact that All the people. pretty much everybody that was involved with this is gone right you know yeah they're gone yet they're still here exactly because that what the thing they did and that's i think that's the beauty when when we were talking about aging wines yeah. is if you get a chance to drink a wine that's 50 years old or something remember that all of the people that made it have shuffled yeah. off this mortal but they coil made it yeah. so that you can enjoy it exactly decades later it's beautiful it's a time capsule that's why i love I, wine i'm gonna cry i know <laughs> oh, let's take a break Okay. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back with Claire Copia and our summer wine extravaganza okay. part two. They're all gone, Claire. <laughs> Some of my favorite summertime cocktails are whiskey-based. The mint julep, a gold rush, a paper plane. And the whiskey I turn to as the base in those cocktails is Rabbit Hole. They make bourbon and rye in extremely small batches at their wonderful distillery in Louisville, Kentucky. Rabbit Hole's recipes are totally unique and were created by their founder, Bourbon Hall of Famer Cave Zamanian, who spares no expense in making great whiskey. Cave and his team have their own cooking methods and use top-of-the-line grains. They never chill filter, and they use barrels that are toasted, charred, and wood-fired, which almost nobody else in the business does. Trust me on this. What you end up with is a line of bourbon and rye with these really rich, deep flavors that are unlike anything you've ever tasted. The forecast for this summer is hot, 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 and I, for one, plan and to cool down with some refreshing cocktails made with rabbit hole. Please, my friends, come join me. Summer is upon us, friends, and summer is the time for sipping on cold, refreshing cocktails made with the best ingredients. If I've said it once, I've said it a gajillion times. You can buy the best spirits in the world to make craft cocktails at home, but if you use crap mixers, you're going to get crap drinks. That's why I am all about fresh Victor. Fresh Victor is a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that brings the magic of master mixologists into your home. They feature a bunch of unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to suit any palate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced. There's no artificial anything. The mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. None! And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a summertime special exclusively for you, dear listener. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code FVDAN20. That's Fresh Victor, FVDAN20 
to get 20% off your order. Now's the time to bust out the bikinis and bathing suits and to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market. And that's Fresh Victor. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And we're back. Didn't those ads make you want to go out and buy some Fresh Victor? And I did. Rabbit hole? You already I did got during it? the break. Ah, love our sponsors. They keep us going. Um, and then, and you hear people sponsors. are clapping for me. The yes, sponsors. they're clapping. <laughs> There's some clapping going on here. We are at Hatchet Hall in Culver City, Michelin Star Restaurant. If you ever get a chance to get here, get here. You're, you will not be disappointed. I, I ate here recently and uh, tried out some new items they had on the menu. And, and it's, it's, it's simply one of the best restaurants in America. And that's all there is. Was there a say. particular dish that knocked your socks off? Oh, man. All right. This is going to say peas. 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 They, do, they do peas here that will the blow peas. your mind. The cornbread here is amazing. Ooh, all the meats and fishes. And oh, man. I'm taking you here. Okay. I will. Your Justin can't come, though. I can't afford to take you both. You're going to have to tell him about how the Sorry, honey, was. we're yes. a package so, deal. Hey, it's work. It's work. You're you want working. your plan. No. That's right, yes. <laughs> um, all right, let's, uh, so to recap, part one, which you can go back and listen to, we did five wines, and now this is part two. We've done three. We got two more left. We're going to make nice. it, Claire. We're almost there. The finish oh line is here. You can do it. It's so rough to just drink all. wine. Oh, okay. God. So now we're going to go with, we got two left. Let's, we got a rosé and a cabernet. Where do you want to go? Let's do, let's go red so that we can finish with a rosé and cleanse our palates at the end of the movie. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's okay, do it. we got a Rodney Strong, sure which we had on the last episode. This is it. We had a Rodney Strong white wine. Now we're going to do the 2017 Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. This is from Sonoma County. So we're at Rodney Strong. So you know a little bit about Rodney Strong. 1959, Rod Strong led by the Klein family since 1989. This is, uh, you know, one of the bigger names in all of California wine. Um, They do a big concert series up there. It's happening in June. They own 11 estate vineyards in Sonoma County, and and we're talking about the best AVAs, Alexander Valley, Russian River, Chalk Hill, Dry Creek, Sonoma Coast. I mean, those are the the gold standards, right, up there for the I mean, Sonoma Coast is huge, I guess. This, uh, (laughs) This 2017... It comes from the Sonoma County Vineyard, hand harvested. You you brought that up before. What what does that mean? It means that they didn't just pass through with machines and gobble everything up. They had people in the vineyards picking every single bunch of grapes. So anything that might be askew, they toss that. Yes, correct. Okay. Any birds' nests, lizards, they don't get chewed <laughs> up. In the, I'm serious. In the machine harvested things, I'm, I'm picking up notes of dead lizard. Like, Isn't it lovely? <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay. Sorry. So uh, aged in, in French oak. Uh, sure. So let's let's get in here. Let's 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 do the nose on this this puppy right and this here. This is our first uh, bottle aged wine that we've tasted during our extravaganza. By it is way. 2017. 17. Five that makes, years. Let me do the math. Six Hold years on. old. Hold on. Carry the three. Minutes. Six? Six. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Still very bright, though. She can go a little bit longer for sure. Okay. 15% alcohol. The pH is 358. So that's, Great. you're going to get some, some tannic structure there on this thing, right? <laughs> yes. Because 100% Cabernet, 24 months in French oak, 75% New, which makes sense. What does that mean? 
So New Oak is going to impart, um, especially if it's if it's French. French is going to be more notes of uh, baking spices, maybe a little vanilla. American oak usually imparts vanilla, dill, coconut, sometimes banana. Um, so if it's new, it's imparting those flavors and aromas into the wine. If it's old, barrels have been used multiple times. It's not doing that as much. It's just adding okay. the tannin and softening up the wine, potentially making it more age-worthy. Um, but when there's new, yeah, you're you're getting a little addition, additional flavors. So one of the notes I have here, it says the 2017 vintage will not... The all-time precipitation record was set by mid-April. So it was a rainy was year, rainy. which that was probably the last time it rained until this year. What does that do... What does that do to the crops? It can potentially, depending on when you get these huge onslaughts of rain, it can potentially dilute the fruit. Okay. So it's a little bit dangerous. You don't want to get too much rain on your fruit. Um, you don't do want a little you bit don't of the, dilute the fruit. Don't dilute the fruit. You ever hear that? It's a Public Enemy song. Have you ever heard like a good don't dilute the fruit. Don't dilute the fruit. Should be. Anyway. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. You're like, please, no more shirts. <laughs> can I get a little bit more? Because I. Of course you can. I, yeah, I'm done. We're, we're, we're almost finished. We're almost finished. We can, um, starting to drink. So, that okay. Good? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. Um, all right. So now this one, it's, it feels big to me. This She's feels big. like a big. You got. Uh, she big. Oh, she big. Like a. The mouthfeel to me? Mm. Velvety? Very velvety. Very velvety tannins. Yeah, it's not too. Harsh, which again, like they probably had some pretty ripe fruit that year. So the tannins on this tannin being, if you give that a swish around, it dries your mouth out. It almost feels like sandpaper on your teeth and your gums. You're like, nah, nah. Opposite of acid, right? Acid fills your mouth with water, tannin, and tannins coming from the skin, seed, stems of the grapes, and also the oak. Okay. So this is lovely to drink right now. Could age though. Could age. They're they're recommending four to six years. Yeah, I was going to say, this is not like a But this is a, this is a... I think this can go a little bit longer, to be honest. The fruit is still very plush and, um, and juicy. I think it could go a little bit longer. Starting to get the little hints of like that leatheriness. This it's, one, to me, is red meat. Oh, right? for sure. You it's just no got a, like a porterhouse steak else. or something. Otherwise, this would overwhelm anything lighter than that. You know, this needs rich stews, roasts grilled meats things that have high flavor profile when was the last time you had a stew way too long ago i live in california who when makes it cold stew? Enough to have a stew i guess i have i've had chili katya have you had stew any no i'm uh, from the midwest love, yeah. yeah but when was that oh, really? lj stew nobody's does stew anymore maybe should we have a stew california is not a stew how about this hot. how about we have a stew night one of these nights oh, we yeah. all get together and we just stew oh dude my mom would make like this stew with italian sausage and like ribs and the ribs would you know the meat would fall off the bone and like potatoes carrots green beans onion and uh. we would take the stew and we'd have like a piece of polenta italian on the plate Shave a little cheese over that and then put the stew on top of it and the cheese would oh melt and you God, would just like deck it in the dead of winter in Chicago. In Chicago. Oh, babe. All right. So you throw a party and you go and you invite yep. everybody and you say, and they say, what should I bring? And you go, stew. I would like you to bring stew. It's a stew party. It's a stew party. I don't know that I've ever been to a stew party. We're going to make We should it do it. We're throwing a stew party. All right. There you go. Something great here happened. Now, uh, this Rodney Strong, uh, the 2017 Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon is $60 a bottle. That's that's kind of where you're going to be, I think, for this sort of in, in Napa Cab. 
Yeah. Right? Well, Sonoma. Sonoma Cab. Yeah. I mean, it's all, yeah. So <laughs> so we understand what's going on up here. When you go so up north, on to the west is yes. Sonoma County, Correct. and then you go over the mount, which is called, what's the hill there? That's uh, the Mayacamas Range. Mayacamas. And right? then on the other side is Napa. The, the yes. Napa Valley. Is that the Mayacamas Range? Um, so what's the name of that mountain range, Claire? I don't know. Oh, I thought you knew. It's loading. Hatchet Hall doesn't have good service. There is a mountain range that separates Sonoma County and Napa. It's the Mayacamas Range. I'm here with Claire Copy of Psalm TV. It's who the would, Mayacamas Mountain Range. Of course know the answer. It's the Mayacamas Mountain Range. There you I go. I second guess myself and I shouldn't have. 60 bucks a bottle. Yeah. I'm in. I'm on board. And now... The moment you've all been waiting, the moment Claire's certainly been waiting for. She keeps looking at her watch. Uh, how much longer I got to be here? No. I love it. By the way, how cool is this room? Like, it's so cute. We're in, the, we're in this little private dining room at Hatchet Hall, and it looks like it something looks like out of the 1800s. Like you, you rolled into some old, uh, uh, you know, nice, would it's be cute. A, like a, an old lodge or something. In, in, On the East Coast. Yeah. It's really nice. And the dishes and all this, it all just yeah. feels like fancy like a like a emily bronte would be sitting across from you or something i wish yeah all right instead of you <laughs> you how dare you <laughs> this is what happens when we're nine wines in okay now we're gonna like go to our it. final wine which is what are we having kenny J. Oh. kenny J. rose all right uh Don't yell at me. let me get that kendall jackson 2021 Vintner's Reserve, Indeed. California Rosé. We're going seventeen bucks a bottle for this. Okay. This is fifty-one uh, percent of the grapes came from Santa Barbara County, thirty percent from Monterey County, fifteen percent Mendocino, four percent Sonoma, eighty-seven percent Pinot Noir, nine percent Syrah, three percent Grenache, and one percent my favorite grape mm. to pr- pronounce Morved. Dra. Uh, 13.5% alcohol, pH at 3.7. So that's going to be, we're going to get some glass in here, right? Right? No? Well, Is that not right? No, I think the higher it goes, the I don't know. Don't, don't, right, don't, don't. Cut this, cut this, cut this. Don't tell me. Cut uh, this, cut all right. This, cut this. So we got, uh, again, I said 17 bucks a bottle on this. Woo. We're going to get the. That is a Jolly Rancher in a glass. Is it? Yes. Yeah, it's funny you say oh, that because the, the note right up top is watermelon. Fresh cut watermelon. Hibiscus. hibiscus. I see the hibiscus oh, yeah. for sure. It, oh my God, it totally smells like a Jolly Rancher. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I, I know. love Jolly Rancher. The, pink, the watermelon Jolly Rancher? Mm. We talked about temperature to serve it. They're saying 50 degrees is where you should go with this. Yeah, I'd you, go a little lower. You go lower? I go a little lower. Okay. As I uh, said, everything's too chilled. I'm like, chill it more. Like this with a charcuterie. <laughs> That would be nice. That'd be very nice. Get a little charcuterie. Wish him, wish him salami. <laughs> yes. Uh, but again, you're getting uh, apricot in here. That's what I get. I, watermelon. You said like, that. Like uh, tangerine. Those Jolly Red. But you're right. Yeah. I think so. The, maybe the pH, it's a little bit, this is a little bit less acidic yes. than some of the other As rosés the pH that we've had. the number gets higher, the acidity is. So if you like softer rosés, mm-hmm. softer, fruitier rosés, which mm-hmm. I'm, I, I do like a softer, you know, my favorite's going to be the crisp ones. Like, I like crisp because I feel like it's crisp. cutting to the bone with me. But, um, but I, know, I do know people that like them softer. They don't be, uh, you don't, you don't? 
What? You don't like softer <laughs> rosés? Uh, <laughs> Claire's like, uh, maybe not. Um, um, no, but I, 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 yes, the thing about rosé, it's so sad. Like, I think because we've gotten all of these really bright, fresh, crisp ones that are very cost effective, people kind of don't think of rosé as a wine anymore. Like, uh, we were tech, we at Assam TV, we were chatting with uh, this winemaker, Steve Mathiason of Mathiason Wines up in Napa, gorgeous wines. And he makes a fantastic rosé that always sells out so quickly he doesn't make much of it. And he was talking about how people don't really consider rosé to be a wine. It's almost like they consider it to be a seltzer. You know, it's just really? something crushable, quick. So when you see rosé bottles that are over $30, they're like, why? It's a rosé. But there are rosés out there that can age, that have incredible structure, body, elegance, complexity. It's not just the the porch pounder crushable, you know, sit by the pool with it, which is great. There is a time and a place for that always, but there's this huge range of rosé that people really do not know about. It's, you bring up such an interesting point because we are living in the age of RTDs, which is the short for ready to drink. Okay. I was like, so now you can get, you can get your, you can get anything in a can and yeah. you know, I mean, it obviously was ushered in by white claw and all that, but now yeah. you're getting, and that's probably having an impact oh, on sure. the way people consume wine Absolutely. now. And notice like, it's like always rosé in a can. That's right. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Shame. Again, there's a time and a place for that. I want a crushable wine a lot of times, especially living in California where it gets really freaking hot in the summer. You want something easy drinking and fresh. But I have had some rosés that would just blow your mind. They're expensive. But aged rosé, holy crap. Yeah. Like some of the most beautiful wines in the world. From wow. southern France mostly, but yeah. Beautiful. Sounds like uh, Claire wants to do an episode where we do wines from France, and we'll have to do that. But I this was that. our, this was, I, I got to tell you, I feel like we've, we've run the gauntlet here. We've, we we've made it. We've done two episodes. Not all heroes wear capes. That's what I'm saying. No. I mean, we could have, we could have called, we could have gotten through six wines and, and waved the flag the and said, we couldn't go we anymore. But we pressed on, Claire. We did 10 wines over two episodes. And why did we do it? For the listener. For the listener and the viewer. You're welcome. But now we're at the dusk. This is it. The dusk. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I got to tell you, it's been really, it's always so great to hang with you. But quickly, let's recap on what you're doing now. Mm -hmm. You've got a big summer coming up with Som TV. A lot of filming, a lot of really cool stuff coming out with Som TV. It's a standalone streaming service for food and wine content, everything and anything you need to know, especially about wine, hundreds of hours of original content, documentaries. We've got some really cool, cool stuff coming out this year. And it's only $49.99 for an entire year. Entire year. I and got we do it. deals too. We do 25%. I'm off. a subscriber. You I am. should be. And uh, you're going to Aspen Food and Wine? Going to Aspen Food and Wine this year again. It's the 40th year of Aspen Food and Wine. So yeah. it's going to be, it's already crazy amazing, but this year's probably going to be. Are you, you go. hosting things there? Or are you? I don't know yet. Oh, like I can't being coy. I might, I, I threatened Claire that I might show up and she's like, oh, I, I, never mind. I'm not going. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm thinking about road tripping to Aspen. I you really should. am. I, I, I was at the, I think I might've been at the first Aspen food and wine. I used to live wow. there. And, so uh, cool. no, you said 40 years. No, I wasn't. I'm not that old. Um, am I? I don't think they would have let you in. <laughs> you would have been like I've been to infant. a lot of them and it is a really fun event and you're going to be doing that. So we see some coverage from there. Yep. Um, 
Anything beyond Psalm TV you got going on? You making any movies? What do you got? Are you making any movies? No, I mean, I've made some Skydiving? Are you. No uh, skydiving this year thus far. Uh, Some other fun little trips in the works. Okay. Yeah. This is awesome. Well, it is such a. Oh, no. We can't go yet. Oh, no. We have to settle on your official title on the show. You are what we're drinking with Dan Dunn's. No, I don't like Wine Wench. That was very bad of me to say. Wine Wench. Ooh. Witch in a good way? Mm-hmm. Witchy wine woman? Mm-hmm. I'm like Stevie Nicks in a glass. Uh, you're Stevie. I you're wish. our resident Stevie Nicks in a glass. I wish. You want to be the dare. you want to be the wine witch? I don't know actually. I don't like no. it anymore. Let's go. Wine. Well, come on. We're smarter than the this. The wine whisperer? The wine whisperer. I like that. Claire Copey, official wine whisperer of what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Will you whisper something to the audience today? I will see you all at dusk. There you have it. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you uh, on the next episode, uh, which is going to be beer. Ooh. Follow Claire at Claire underscore Copy C-O-P-P-I, on Instagram. That is... What's this called? AS, ASMR. ASMR. I like it. Me too. All right. Bye. Bye. Farewell and adieu to you fair Spanish ladies. Farewell and adieu you ladies of Spain. For we've received orders for to sail back to Boston. And so never more shall we see you again. <laughs> <laughs>